You know what's wrong with Bassberry? What? It's just it's just human soup at that point. That's why you do the shower bath shower. I don't understand the shower bath shower. It's you take the shower and wash off all the filth and nastiness, and then you soak in a tub, hot, nice, and then you shower off again. Oh, shower bath shower. That's okay. I've been taking bath shower for what little yeah, baths I've been taking in the last twelve, ten years. But no, shower bath shower sounds like the right the right combination. It's still human soup. And it's, 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 some bubbles in there. That's why you get here. That's why you needed to watch Cowboy Bebop because that came from Cowboy Bebop, the uh, the live action one. Okay, you you, you got to have a beer in the in the bath, right? I think that's required. Yeah, or a glass of wine. You ever had a shower beer, dude? Your life will change. You know what? I had the perfect opportunity this uh, last month, and I should have done it. I'll, I'll try it next year. You you got to wait a year to have a shower a beer in the shower. No, I can do it here, but it's it's like at the fair. There's always a beer in my hand. It's, you know. Oh, <laughs> that's just the way it goes. Yeah, it's yeah. fair life. Like carnies, except yes, we are slightly we better. Are, we are carnies. Filthy buggers smell like cabbage. Yes, small I hands. I smell like uh, garlic at some point during the fair. Right. What? Gar- it's just, it's just a sentence he just let hang. No, just I just, I, just <laughs> I, I was sweating garlic. I guess I guess I was eating too much uh, interesting food. So if we had like a scratch and sniff sticker of oh, Andy, no. it would be garlic. Garlic, yeah, absolutely garlic. Or what would the scratch and sniff sticker of Kirsten be? Dry uh, heave. It, it'd be a, it'd be the margarita. It'd be the the, the ball sweat margarita. <laughs> Sorry, the delay hit that. I was saying this this Andy scratch and sniff was dry heave, but because of the delay, it came after. He has what Kirsten scratch and sniff was. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. <laughs> like I said it, then I heard it through the earphones. I'm like, ah, okay. I should clarify. So one week we get our flavors, and now we get our scents. This is not your, going your, in a great direction. Your scratch and sniff scent. Yours is going to be paint thinner. So what's Jeff? Uh, Chinese food. Really? It's not chill sweats? <laughs> no. <laughs> Maybe a mix of both. Come on. What's mine? Whiskey. Come on. I love it. Well, well, whiskey tempered with sadness. <laughs> whiskey is tempered with no, 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 no. sadness. Not, not, sadder, it's not sadness, Torgo. Bitterness. Whiskey oh, with fine. I, that, absolutely. I'll, I'll roll with that. Well, I have scotch and bitters. Scotch and bitters. Wait, that's a Rob Roy, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, now it's a Barry Rob. <laughs> a Barry Rob Roy. Uh, no, Rob Roy, that's a, that's a Manhattan made with scotch, right? Yeah. So what's in the Manhattan? You got the sweet vermouth. Oh, uh, yeah. No, I'm not sweet. I can definitely attest to that. Welcome, folks, to Geek Shock number 634. I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Believe it or not, fact-checked Andy. <laughs> I am Vlarg. And we're here to talk week and geek. Uh, welcome back, Andy. Good to hey, see good to you. Hear you. Uh, was, uh, was, I thought it was persona non grata, but I'm back. Oh, you were never persona non grata. We missed you. I missed you too. I haven't seen me in so long. Now, you've been part of the show in spirit, if nothing else. But as you can hear, dear listeners, uh, we are doing an internet show this week uh, because uh, Jeff is dirty, filthy, and we can't touch him. 
I am your typhoid Mary. Yeah, that's how I got back in the show. I had to pull my last favor with Nicolas Cage, and uh, it worked. Wait, wait, how many favors did you have with Nicolas Cage? Wow, yeah. we, we're not allowed to discuss that. Okay. Yep, I came down with stuff, so we had to do this. Came down with stuff. <laughs> Perhaps stuff. you should say what the stuff is so we yeah. don't assume that it's some sort of horrible, very venereal disease. I am I, I will tell you right now, I got the COVID. Yes. And after having been vaccinated and boosted and wearing a mask. So that's your and now granted, my symptoms were pretty mild, comparatively speaking. If that's not a PSA for getting out there and getting your fucking vaccinations, I don't know what is. Mm -hmm. So I can't imagine what it would have been like had I not been vaccinated and boosted. I know people that got sick uh, and had recovered before the vaccines were available. And both of them told me it was like the worst thing they ever experienced. And one of them is a former soldier in the first Gulf War. Mm. So he said, outside of being in that kind of environment, this, it's worse than that. And I so was you're like, working wow. in, you're working in a fancy restaurant and get COVID. I'm hanging out with filthy carnies. I'm fine. All right. <laughs> Just and, goes to show everything is a roll of the die. And Floridians. Ooh. Yeah. All right. Well, you are working outside for the most part. That's true. That does help. Yeah. I still think we need to have the indoor mask mandate back, but that's yes. me. Well, you would Maybe. like to protect service workers in a service-related job and city. I get that. I'm, I'm right yeah. there with one of my jobs. The mandate is still in place. Mm. Oh, that's good. At least for another couple of weeks. I, I think I can actually reveal here the one of my jobs because you can never find me there. I work as a bartender at the airport is one of my jobs. So there is a federal mandate still in airports for that. He's never at the same bar twice. Nope. You, you could never track me down in that airport because <laughs> I could never even track me down in that airport. And most of the time you're probably in airports in bars you can't get to without being ticketed. That is 98% correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could you couldn't vi visit me unless you were visiting. I don't know. I could see Pat Spurl buying a plane ticket just so he could surprise you at the airport bar. Yeah, well, that's just it. At that point, you've got a one in three chance because there's three terminals. Oh well, yeah. Although you can get between them if you, if you work at it. That's a good point. It's not easy, but it can be done. Sure. So, so see, it's a one in three chance on the based on the terminal. But how many bars are there per terminal? Well, there's about 20 bars altogether. Oh, yeah. And so my shift could start as early as four in the morning or as late as 4 p.m. at night. So you never know when or where I will be. There are bars open at four in the morning at the airport in Vegas. No, but there are bar bars open at five in the morning in Vegas. God, I miss Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> they have last Andy, call out here. They have last call at like 10. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> There's a couple of places I can find a mid-med, but they're pretty few and far between. Oh, that's that uh, Puritan uh, roots there. Uh, hey, ah. growing, up, growing up in Kansas, I remember it said last call starts at 1.30. By 1.40, they're telling you to drink it up and get the fuck out. And 1.45, they've got everybody out and doors are locked by 2. And, and that's supposed to be no liquor served after two is the actual law, but they don't even want to fuck around with the law. They get everybody 
last called and out the door before two and then shut the place down. In Boston, last call was about a half hour after the tea stopped running. So you had to be local by the time the bars closed. So, gentlemen, what geeky things did you do this week? I, Andy, we got to start with you. You've, uh... Oh, yeah. I got like 50 things. But I'm going to narrow it down. I, well, I was down in Miami working the Miami Fair. And uh, we had a couple days where we, did, we were off. And so I actually got to see a double feature. I went to see a, a Tom Holland double feature. I saw Uncharted. And then everyone went home. And I, left, I stayed there and watched uh, Spider-Man. And that was, uh, it was a good double feature. I really enjoyed Uncharted, but it was very much bubblegum. Uh, right. It was harmless and, and fun. Spider-Man was a real head trip. I was I was very impressed with the did with that. I really liked the way they sort of rebooted the character in a way. Now they uh they uh stripped him of the extraneous powers that I found interesting but didn't feel like Spider-Man. Oh, what like the 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 Iron Spider Yeah, the, the Iron Spider stuff. I was like it, that's I'm I'm happy with that being gone. Yeah, and in the comics they brought that around in and around the Civil War time, right? And uh, and I don't think it stuck around too long there either, if I remember yeah. right. But yeah, that was enjoyable. Uh, while I was down there, my 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 buddy Doug was working this fair for the first time, and Doug is a gamer. And uh, we played a bunch of a game called Marvel Champions, which is a deck oh, builder. Yes. The basic game has a lot of playability and replayability and, and modifications you can do. And then, of course, there's a thousand uh, you know, booster packs, different uh, characters you can buy. Is but, it a uh, card game? Is it What is it? It's a deck builder. Both heroes have a deck, and the villain has a deck, and uh, its setup is kind of complicated. I wouldn't be terribly comfortable setting it up, but Doug was... It's, it's a game for people who like doing little micro-modifications, so, so Doug was having a good time you know, tweaking this and adding this and putting this on there. But you, uh, you, you both play against the villain, and it uh, goes back and forth, and uh, I played uh, as Captain America near the end. That was seemed to be my 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 go to character. I played as T'Challa. I played as uh, Captain Marvel. Yeah, it's 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 a good game. It's like sixty or seventy bucks. Uh, I would recommend it, but you know you have to have somebody like Major Meh who enjoys the uh, the little tweaking of the of the rules, tweaking of the the decks. Now that's a it's a cooperative game. Cooperative game, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So it's it's the the villain decks run basically by a, an AI of sorts. Right. And and if we beat the villain, then we would make the villain tougher the next time. We'd we'd find some way to make the villain tougher next time. And try again, and we keep going until we got beaten, and then we'd switch characters around. So that was fun. I see that game on a lot of lists of board gaming solo. Yeah, you can play it solo. Absolutely, can play it solo. We only played with two. We actually had. Uh, DC deck building there too, so I got to get some DC deck building Jones uh, scratch. That was nice. Did you and see they have a Kickstarter for what? For the new tenth anniversary. Oh no, I haven't seen that. What's all involved in that Kickstarter? Uh, it's DC deck builder. It's uh, I think it's uh, Injustice. It looks really good. Uh, Injustice is that the villains? Is that the uh, is that we're playing the villains? Uh, Injustice is the Mortal Kombat version of that, right? Yeah, pretty much. Where Superman goes batshit and Batty's a bad guy, and oh. it's it's different. It's it's nice. It, it it's actually DC that I enjoy reading, which is weird. 
You know, somewhere Steve Biggs is screaming right now because you're probably all getting this wrong. Let him scream. Mm. <laughs> oh, my God. I thought Steve was here for a second. We also played a little Catan and some uh, Mexican train. So I got a lot of games in, like, in our... Yeah, it meant staying up till three or four in the morning and, you know, having to get up at the crack of noon, but it's all right. We went, uh, one of our off days, we went to an arcade. Oh. Uh, which had a bunch of, you know, old video, a lot, a lot of weird games I hadn't seen. The one that stood out, well, actually, there's one that was a table flipping game that Doug played. Go on. It's, it's, it's actually, a, it's all in Japanese. We have no idea what the hell is going on. There's all this kanji going on, and like eventually there was sort of symbols that made it look like you're supposed to pound on the table and then flip the table. And then there was an animation for the table being flipped. Uh, the table he flipped was at a cemetery, or actually at a funeral, so he's flipping a coffin. So we, we don't know what the story was behind that, but he was what? angrily flipping a coffin. You've got to so get the name of this thing. <laughs> we have so, video. I'll, I'll put it on the lair. Okay, so this is an arcade game. The, is there a physical table? There's a physical table. Okay, so you you pound on that table when the kanji tells you to, I guess. Yeah. Yes. And then when the timer goes down, you then flip it as hard yep. as you can. Yeah. And on the screen, you see the table flipping and people scattering and people being hit by things. Okay. What? An, yeah. That's, <laughs> that what? definitely screams Japanese arcade it to does. me. It does. It does. The game I found I had not seen is a thing called The Act. Have you guys ever heard of this? The act. The act. It's kind of um, Dragon's Lair-ish oh. uh, in that it's it's a whole bunch of 2D animation, uh, but you don't joystick control. It's a little knob you turn for moving further, going faster or going slower. Uh, I didn't get too far along in it, but uh, the thing I have is guys watching windows at a hospital and he sees a hot nurse. And he goes with a little fantasy thing, and he's fantasizing. He's uh, he's at Rick's Cafe American, and he's uh, trying to put the moves on her. And so you turn the knob to make him try. You're supposed to try to pick her up, and you turn the knob to the right to try and pick her up. But if you do it too fast, which the first thing I did is like I immediately pounced on her like a rabid wolverine, and just jumped all over her. And uh, but then I found this. It's like, yeah, it's just really weird, and it's. You just got to gently sort of like rock the knob back and forth, try and slightly for it, and then, you know, she ends up dancing with you and kisses you. So, it was an interactive movie arcade video game originally produced by American studio uh, Cecropia. This isn't a Japanese game? No. Uh, in 2007, <laughs> and it was uh, interactive cartoon featuring hand-drawn art from a number of former Disney animators, all of them who have been laid off because they're going to the 3D animation. So it's really good animation. Uh, it was test marketed in several locations in 2006. Uh, received favorable press coverage, but it was canceled in late 2007. The door shut in 2008. They auctioned off 10 kits on eBay, and that must be what one of these was. So and, that's a rare thing to find. It's a very rare thing to find. But I did find on YouTube, it's like 17 minutes. The whole gameplay is, is somebody has got it on there. And on YouTube, it listed as being um, iPhone, iPad, iPod, full playthrough. So somebody ported it over to that as a game. I couldn't find it doing a quick search, but I'll, I'll keep digging to see if I can find the actual game to play. The act. It, it, the act. Where is this arcade? Uh, it was South Miami, you know, somewhere, somewhere within 20 minutes of the uh, park. 
It's just a little little you know strip mall arcade. I had a, a bunch of pinball games. Uh, I played some Guardians of the Galaxy pinball. I played. Uh, didn't have any of the classic pinball I wanted to find. I really would have loved to find you know Theater of Magic or or uh, Medieval Madness, but uh, I had some good games. It had like a there was a oh one of those games where you're on a aircraft carrier shooting airplanes down, but it was like one of those big ones with a big bubble I was sitting inside and rocking the whole bubble around. That was fun. Cool. They had some really cool games cool. for a little, well, no, it's a fairly, fairly big strip, but it was just a strip yeah. mall arcade, basically, but a big one. Fascinating. They also had beer, which was nice. The only other thing I think I want to talk about, I don't know if I've talked about this before, have I talked about my brother's TikTok channel yet? Your brother's TikTok channel. Yeah. My Does brother, it sound familiar? My brother, uh, his TikTok handle is uh, at, at swamp underscore rabbit. No, swamp underscore hobbit. Excuse me. Swamp <laughs> underscore hobbit. <laughs> Meanwhile, swamp rabbit's getting a lot of views. Right. There you go. And uh, the majority of what he does, he's, he's got a hobby there. There's a, there's a guy on TikTok, there's a thing called Junkyard Jouse, where he puts together two teams of five matchbox cars and rolls them down a hill to a dead end. And they um, sort of see which ones will stay on the, on the, on the uh, track, sort of a competition between two teams of five. So, so my brother's races, hot real, well, hot real fighting basically. So my brother's been doing that. He's, he's got his sort of junkyard joust uh, fan page more or less. So he's, I mentioned it because, first of all, it's kind of weird and geeky, but also because that's one of the things I've been doing. I'll occasionally wander into a junk, you know, I'll try into a thrift store or a dollar store, and I'll see some interesting matchbox songs. I'll start sending pictures of my brother. You got this one? You need this one? So I've been sending him, you know, he makes little themed teams. Like, he's, uh, he's got, I know he's got some Star Wars teams. I know he has, like, a whole Batman, like, he keeps buying Batmobile stuff, Bat, or Batman stuff. I think he's got at least he says, like, every every time they release Batman stuff, they release another Batmobile. So I think he has a whole Batmobile team. And uh, it's it's very geeky and yeah. something I hadn't seen before. He started doing it a few months ago. And what are they called again? Junkyard Joust is the guy that does the main thing. All right. But but the whole thing, is it called a Junkyard Joust? or is... Junkyard Joust is the, is the the main guy that actually does it. And right. He, but, might... the, but the thing itself, do you have a I name? think that's just called Junkyard Joust, yeah. I don't think there's a... I think there's maybe one guy that does it and my brother. <laughs> All right. And I'm sure I could find more, but uh, somebody threw up my notes and it's fine. I've talked enough. Move on. Do you say someone threw up in your notes? Somebody threw away my notes. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, I think somebody was tidying up, and I had my stuff written on the back of an envelope, like, like it's a Gettysburg address, and it went away. <laughs> Jeff, I, I know you've not felt well. Uh, were you able to enjoy anything geeky during your your time of recovery? Uh, yeah, I did. Um, you know, obviously the the usuals, like uh, watching the most recent episode of Picard. But I did finally get to watch a movie that came out a couple of months ago. Uh, it's now on streaming. Uh, it's Death on the Nile, which is the sequel to uh, Murder on the Orient Express that Kenneth Branagh did uh, back in 2017. Uh, so this is the, the next Agatha Christie property that he's taking on uh, as both director and as the character Hercule Perrault. 
I'm probably murdering the name because uh, I don't speak French, but, you know, what are you going to do? Right? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's it's a, another all-star cast. Um, so you have Kenneth Branagh, you got Russell Brand in a in a role that surprised me because there's no comedic properties to the character that he plays in this movie this dr windlesham that he plays and in fact it took me a few seconds to realize that it was russell brand when i was watching because he doesn't have the long crazy flowing hair it's very tight cropped for the you know the 1920s i think it is in in egypt when this is supposed to take place uh you've got Net Benning in this. I mean, literally the list goes on, but those are like the, the top players. It's a really well done adaptation of the, the story, the Agatha Christie story. Uh, my mom used to watch a lot of the Agatha Christie stuff on, uh, I think it was on PBS when I was growing up. I have, I have a passing knowledge of it, but I also love a good mystery, so this was right up my alley, especially since I didn't want to get off the sofa at that particular point in time. I came within a whisper of watching that in the theaters instead of uh, Spider-Man, but the timing was such that Spider-Man was more logical. Yeah, I, I missed it when it was in the theaters, and I basically decided, well, I'll just wait till it comes out on streaming, and it is currently available on both Hulu and on HBO Max. I didn't catch that it was available on Max when I hit play, because on my, my Google TV, I can just... Uh, hit the watch now, and it'll take me to whatever streaming service I'm subscribed to. Uh, but the usual thing with Hulu and movies is that it makes you watch like uh, about 60 seconds of commercials, and then it'll play the movie commercial-free. Well, it jumped right into the movie without commercials, so I was surprised by that. If you have Hulu, um, definitely watch it on there, although I'm sure it's probably uh, you know better on HBO Max, but Available on both of those. Highly recommend it. Check it out. Death on the Nile. Death on the Nile. Barry, what'd you do? Uh, First, I want to make mention of something I may have mentioned before, but it came to light when Andy was talking about that crazy video game. Dude, first off, you have got, you have got to find out what the name of that thing is. I love those weird, weird video games. Um... What I was talking about it's, it's called yeah, the, yes. it's called the act. I think he's asking about the name of the table flipping one. The table flipping game. Oh, okay, I'll find that. Yeah, please do. Um, and I'm going to mention Star Trek: The Experience, so everybody drink. When uh, I was a Ferengi, and Paul Mattingly from the show uh, was uh, Klingon, we went to a convention for an amu- for amusements here in town like an amusement convention where they had like a uh, weird french fry machines and video okay. games and cr- so this I is have, the one where as I a klingon to. he slid down the the inflatable uh, slide which is hilarious at this game I'll never forget this at the, at this convention was this game from this this japanese game called boonga boonga has anyone heard of this no i okay. have but please go on okay all right <laughs> Now, it's a uh, it's a game where now the version I saw was that you you, you pick like a, a, the point is to, to score points by spanking or performing this thing called concho on a model of a human ass embedded <laughs> in the cabinet. 
<laughs> I can't make this up. No, it, no, it definitely sounds like a Japanese game. Oh yeah. Now, Concho is this uh, thing where uh, it's a prank where people will poke you with two fingers in the asshole. This is Japan, people. We used to call that goosing. Yeah, well, they call it Concho. Well, anyway, Boonga Boonga, apparently there was only 200, uh, there was a contract for 200 units in Japan, but only five were ever distributed. I guess I had the honor of playing on one of these damn things. And the, the one that we had was the one where you spank the ass and you get to choose between like ex-girlfriend, ex-boyfriend, gangster, mother-in-law, gold digger, prostitute, child molester, con artist, whatever. And then the facial expression of the character is displayed in a monitor. And we were spanking it, but I guess you're supposed to goose them, really, right up the ass. And this is the best part. This is the best part. This is the best part. The game, and this is straight from the wiki, people, the game also dispenses cards that rates players on their, quote-unquote, sexual behavior. And for players who perform exceptionally well, the machine spits out a plastic trophy in the shape of a pile of feces. Wow. I, I don't even know how to react to that. Bless you, Japan. I can't wait to go to you. I didn't do that this weekend, but man, I wish I did. No, this I, weekend, we, I went to the, the only geeky thing I really got to do is uh, the Highland Games here in, uh, in, in Vegas. It's uh, set in one, week, one weekend uh, where they have uh, piping, you know, the bagpipe competitions and Highland Dance, and they got like all the Scottish games, the, the, the hammer throws, the big stone throw, and the caber toss, which is great. Because uh, if I it's went, not we, Scottish, it's crap. Yeah, exactly. Except and, and, there was a lot of non-Scottish stuff there. Describe the caber toss for people who the, haven't seen it. If you don't know what the caber toss is, it's super fun. Um, you pick up you this big, giant, like looks like a telephone pole. You lift it up. You walk a, a little bit. It's a log. And you heave it. And it's supposed to turn 180 degrees on end, land on its head, and fall forward at the exact... Like at twelve o'clock, it's supposed to be like even with how you threw it. And the closer you get, and the, to twelve o'clock when it lands, and the and the and the straighter it is when it lands on the ground first, you get points. Whatever. We're just watching people throw logs, and we were watching the women throw the logs, and they're they're pretty good. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and there was a whiskey tasting. Anyway, I went with uh, Tier Five Geek Shock Monkey uh, Leon Mitt. So it was a good time. There was scotch and there was, you know, Guinness. What's, what's tier five again, Barry? Uh, that would be Buckfast and Haggis. Highly appropriate for the Highland Games. Very, very appropriate. <laughs> um, unfortunately, the food wasn't very appropriate. Really? I didn't see any Haggis. Really? And they had a bunch of food trucks from like all over everywhere except for Scotland. Well, that is disappointing. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and are, are you telling me nobody has marketed a Scottish food? There's not. There's no like food truck haggis. You don't want <laughs> haggis performed for. You don't want haggis prepared in a food truck. Come on, that's insane. Um, Andy, you've seen so I married an axe murderer, right? I mean, he goes into this whole diatribe about how terrible Scottish food is. <laughs> oh, I'm aware. I, I mean, I like some of it. Don't agree. get me wrong, but yeah, that 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 scene is priceless. In 2019, I went to Scotland. I was there for a week. And I had nothing but good food. So well, there you go. People can shut up about that. It's just <laughs> add some salt to it. You're fine. Um, uh, going back to uh, these games, who remembers from the 80s, the uh, video game company Epics and their uh, summer games, winter games? Oh, uh, California yeah. games. 
right? They also put out a World Games. In time. And one of the games was Caber Toss. That's how I learned what Caber Toss was by playing it on the Commodore 64 in about 1985, 86. That's where I played California games. So, yes, that's what we got. I looked up, I found, I have video of uh, Doug playing that table flipping game. Everything's Japanese. Even the name of the game is in Japanese. But I will put that on the lair once this post, once the show runs. Please, someone speaks Japanese. They'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. We're going to be I, like uh, that kid from Big and try and find out where this machine's going to be. All right. So besides the decided lack of Scottish food, how else was the game? <laughs> it was all right. I drank a bunch of Guinness, which isn't Scottish. Yeah. Down. There, there was a lot of clans there. Like, if you belong to, like, McFarlane or McWiss or McWhatever, you know, there's there's a clan thing for you. And they weren't, like, doing anything clannish. It's really, a Celtic, it's really a Celtic fest with a major focus on the Scottish stuff. Yeah. There was one thing that was interesting. There's clan inebriated, which is, like, this ah, bullshit yes. clan. You, yeah, of course you know who Clan Inebriated is. Of oh, course yes. you do. Uh, it's just these guys that started a quote-unquote clan to just drink and have fun, and then they're all over the place. So, of course, they were there. I think they I accidentally a... joined that once. Do they have a tartan? They should have a tartan. They do. It's like a yeah. purple tartan. That sounds makes sense. Yeah, I like purple. What's about Clan McLeod? I think the best thing I saw there was Ray from War Room Games. <laughs> <laughs> And, of course, the caber toss and had a little whiskey tasting. It was all right. That's about it. All right. Well, you know what? Let's, uh, I'm going to bring in a little business in here because there are some things going on. First of all, the book club is reading A Letter to Joe by Joseph Siraki. That is our graphic novel for this month. Discussions have already begun on the Facebook page. And also, the Pinball Effects Tournament is in full swing. Finally, promise made good. Uh, in case uh, you weren't aware of it and just want to be a part of it, we're doing it on Pinball Effects 3. Uh, there's still about three or four days left in the tournament. And it is a uh, Attack from Mars mm. is the table. Uh, you That's get a nice. beast. Ugh. It is yeah. a beast. You get I'm out. F- I was nicer this time. I set it up for five tries. And over ten days, I made it a nice wide tournament. Barry, that means you have to, like, you can't just stop two seconds in if you don't like it because that counts as a turn yeah i i figured that out uh no i'm out i i spent all my tries i'm only at fourth place right now so good job and so (laughs) so that is going on if you want to be a part of it i believe you can uh access it through either the playstation network or through Steam. I, I don't think Xbox has that ability to cross over yet. So you want to look for uh, Mr. Torgo, Mr. Torgo, Mr. Torgo, one word. Uh, that is the name of the tournament, and the password is one word, Geek Shock. Uh, so what did I do this week? Uh, my wife and I have been uh, watching the second season of C. Uh, C is the exclusive uh, show made for Apple+. Plus. Uh, starring Jason Momoa. It takes place in a dystopian future where centuries ago there was a virus that wiped out all but two million people on the earth. And all the people that were left were completely blind. So, and this takes place a couple centuries after that uh, from the descendants who created a, a sightless society, a place where 
the, even the mention of sight is uh, heretical. And uh, Momoa is a chieftain who his wife uh, has, uh, has given birth to twins who can see. And they're the only ones known on the planet. And, of course, sight. If, if you have sight, you're considered a witch. So they are being hunted by the queen and the witch finders. That first season was fantastic. The second season so far has been even better. The second season has been opening up into a lot more world building, and it feels a lot more Game of Thronesy, where there's a lot more political intrigue in, at play of uh, uh, varying tribes, so to speak. Dave Batista makes his appearance in this as a general, and he is fantastic as always. I think of this as Game of Thrones, but with a lot more intensity. There's a lot more that happens per episode of this than Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones, you could have moments that drag out. There are no dragging moments in this. There are things that are happening major in every single episode, and it just keeps ramping up. The violence is swift and brutal. It is a really, really interesting world that they have built for this. If there is a reason for you to get a trial for Apple Plus, this is a reason. Uh, mm. Even if it's just to see this show. It's only about 10 episodes a season, 10 or 12. Uh, but it's definitely worthwhile. Uh, you can definitely tell that this show is Momoa's baby. And he is doing a, he's knocking it out of the park. But everybody in the show is fantastic. No. So that's C on Apple Plus. You talked about this before. Yeah. I asked you how, you how you spelled C. Yes, S-E-E. Yeah. Right. Yes. I, I was thinking it was Moa, so it was S-E-A. Oh, I got you. This is uh, Aquaman thing. Yeah, well, Aquaman and uh, and uh, Stargate it's, Atlantis. Really? Really? Stargate Atlantis? Is That's where you, you get well, S-E-A? C. Really, it's, is it? Because he's in ocean stuff. <laughs> you never watched Stargate Atlantis, did you? I didn't. <laughs> that's obvious. <laughs> I assumed it was underwater, though. Is it not underwater? It is not underwater. No, a waste of time. <laughs> no wonder I didn't watch it. Dumb idea. Atlantis out of the water. Uh, but yeah, S E E. Uh, horrible name, I, in my opinion, but a phenomenal show. Uh, I've also continued playing Dying Light 2. Uh, the game has really, really opened up. I, w I was very uh, happy and surprised to all of a sudden uh, see, oh shoot, I had her name a second ago, uh, Roxanne Dawson uh, show up. Like the actress. Uh, oh, oh, not as a director? In the video game? No. Oh, okay. Because she's been doing a lot of directing. That's why I was kind of. I, I realize that, but Dying Light 2 is a game. No, I know, but like sometimes they direct. Uh, never mind. I'm, I'm... <laughs> All right. No. Th th thank you for making my Stargate Atlantis thing seem relevant. <laughs> <laughs> I have an excuse. I have COVID. <laughs> milk that while you can. <laughs> Ooh, COVID milk, gross. So yeah, she did apparently motion capture and voice acting for one of the characters in it. And when you meet her characters, like, oh yeah, that's a. Uh, that's uh, Roxanne Dawson. She's 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 just in this. So every time she pops up, it's like, oh, this is just a fine little moment with the actress. When the game opens up, I mean, it was great before. Now it's phenomenal. Uh, it is definitely better than the first Dying Light. It's now graduated to the point where it the zombies aren't as terrifying because I've built up my character a little further than it was before. Uh, but even so, 
when you start dealing with the specialized zombies, it's it's still just a, a horrific nightmare. So, uh, Dying Light Two has been absolutely spectacular. I'm sorry, Red Card Deb isn't here. I really want to compare uh, Skyrim notes with her, right? Yeah, Deb is busy with work right now, and she hasn't had a lot of time to play Skyrim. When she plays, she plays for maybe like a few hours, and half of that time is inventory rearrangement. When you have to spend the rest of your time taking care of Barry, you know, you don't have a lot of time for playing video games. Oh, trust me, I know. Uh, what system is she playing Skyrim on? Xbox. Xbox. Uh, I, I, I started playing it on the computer again. And, and modding the heck out of it. But one of the most wonderful mods is inventory management mod. It's, mm. it's, it's made all the difference and made more time for playing. It's nice. Great. Kirsten, what'd you do this week? Well, I just learned that Skyrim has an inventory management mod. Good job. See, you learn things along the way. I was in a podcast to find that shit out. Yeah, really. I spent my time recovering from my little hernia thingy last week i felt worse though i definitely felt worse this this week um things were getting a little better and i was just very happy to get the 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 binder the big old stretchy thing you wear around your abdomen and the jock strap they had me wearing a jock strap too in terms of geeky 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 stuff I've been catching up on Discovery and watching Picard. I haven't seen the latest of either. Um, Same thing with Moon Knight. I haven't seen the latest Moon Knight. So I am like one week behind, but I have been catching up on stuff. So I'm getting there. I like mainlined a couple episodes of uh, Discovery right off just just to get it going. I'm enjoying it. I'm right now... I'm actually kind of liking Picard more, um, although somebody uh, just bitched a, a royal uh, job on the latest episode, which I haven't seen, so I don't know what's going on there with Picard, but we'll see. That's actually really about it. I, I'm still doing a lot of YouTube stuff. I'm, I, I learned about Lithuania's military preparedness uh, today on YouTube, so uh, which apparently is not bad. Um, they, uh, of all the, the new countries joining NATO, they're, they're one that's taking it very seriously. And apparently they're like one of the reasons why Ukraine has been doing as well as it has, because Lithuania has been doing a lot of uh, after Crimea they did a lot of training, cross training with uh, Ukraine. Mm. So, because um, uh, Crimea was like, even for Lithuania, they were like, "Okay, fuck this. These guys, fuck Putin," and mm. uh, they actually started revamping their military a lot for a nation of two point seven million, I believe. <laughs> it's a tiny fucking country. Mm. So, and they're all blind. I heard. Uh, see, I see what you did there. In YouTube, I've watched a few things about just the catching up on Ukraine, geopolitics, stuff like that. Learning about bits and pieces about the uh, Soviet Union. Oh, wow. That's not an out-of-date reference. The former Soviet Union. Yeah, uh, about Russia. 
So it's just, um, and you know, just keeping track of the craziness overall. Sweden and Finland getting ready to join NATO. It could happen as soon as June. It's just like, wow. It's amazing how, how much the world has changed in two months. Right. It's just insane. So I'm kind of surprised they weren't members already. Interesting. Well, they were they were sticking to the neutrality because they figured that, you know, the balancing act between the West and Russia would do them OK. And now that Putin has uh, shown himself to be slightly crazy. Slightly? Uh, they're like, uh, they're like, OK, fuck it. We want to join because uh, they really don't. And it's amazing how the public perception has changed because there was no majority in Finland or Sweden that wanted to join NATO prior to the Ukraine special military operation. Now both countries actually have a majority, uh, which is when, you know, if you know a little bit about geopolitics for Sweden, especially uh, with their historic, they're, they're, you know, they're like the, the Switzerland of Northern Europe. And they're just like, no, fuck this. We want to join. And because of their neutrality, Finland and Sweden are actually pretty good military players. So their joining NATO makes a big net positive for NATO, unlike, say, the Baltic states or some of the former Eastern Bloc states, which have to do a lot of modernization and a lot of, uh, of uh, reforming of their military. It's really, so, gonna, it's really gonna shift your game of risk around. Yeah, really, I, dude. It, you know, they they really should make a modern risk because that map has changed a little. <laughs> Let's ask the big questions. How does this affect Yakov Smirnov's Branson, Missouri performance? I noticed he didn't use the term comedy. <laughs> wow, now, that is absolutely true. Wow. There, boy, you know, it's what's really terrible the last seven weeks is the whole anti-Russian sentiment. It's like Putin is the enemy, not Yakov. Well, <laughs> so, Yakov's been terrible for longer than Putin has. I know. Well, when I mean, but in a different 90, way, after 91, when. Uh, Soviet Union blanks you be, had to be retired. Actually, I haven't even heard any comedy of his since before the fall. I think heard he's pretty much that. happily running his place in Branson and is doing fine with that. What's his place in Branson? He has a theater in Branson. Branson, Missouri is a, is a mystery oh. to me how it became... <laughs> How it came to be. We could do a whole show on the weirdness of Branson, Missouri. Uh, been, I once got sucked into one of those timeshare things, and they really were pushing timeshare in Branson, Missouri. Why? Why? The Gatlinburg of the North. Yeah, really. It's the <laughs> Vegas okay. without anything fun. Yeah. You know, Barry, I've been to Branson, Missouri, and it's still a mystery to me, too. It, it Nothing about it makes any sense. I thought you were about to say, it's no Gatlinburg. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been to Gatlinburg, so I can't compare. I've never been to Branson, so I, I have no fucking clue. 
I've never been to me. <laughs> I appreciated that. Thank you. I will do a little mail before we get into the news. Wait, wait, wait. Got... I've got my forgotten, my forgotten envelope thing. I have to ask you guys. I'm sorry. I got one remembered from the envelope. Uh, I watched. Uh, I watched. Um, Look at the envelope. The, the Great the... Race. The Great Race. Have you movie seen this before? The Great Race. No. Biggs is trying to get me to watch it. Uh, you would hate it. Tony Curtis and Jack Lemmon and uh, Natalie Wood and Peter Falk and Keenan Wynn. It is a two, uh, 1908 race from New York to Paris. And it's what they based the Wacky Racers on. I mean, Tony Curtis is essentially playing the good guy from Wacky Racers and Jack Lemmon is Snidely Whiplash or whatever. That, oh, Dick Dastardly, excuse me. And uh, the Wacky Racers. And, and Peter. Oh, my God. You. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Dude, I don't know. You, you would know it if you saw it. It's yeah. Stop the Wacky Racers is a Hanna-Barber cartoon. It was produced just a couple years after this, which was a bunch of weird cartoon characters racing. One of them was essentially the Adams Family on Wheels. Another one was Cavemen in a Rock Car. And uh, somebody it, different it was, won every time. It was the Hanna-Barbera All-Star cartoon. Kind of, before yeah. that. Before the All-Stars existed, yeah. What year was but this? Yeah, this? The movie is 65. Well, Wacky Races is probably 68 or 9, is my guess. Thank you, Andy, for bringing this timely, timely news well, <laughs> to the, weekly the movie is insane. He, he it's two and a half hours mail. long. He had to stop the mail to tell I did. us about I this. I did, because <laughs> it's on my envelope, and I, I remembered it. Um, it's, it's two and a half hours long, and it is so over the top. It is so goddamn broad, it's ridiculous. It's worth seeing just for, you'll hate it, Cut Carrickson. It's worth seeing it just for the, the over the top broadness of it. Uh, it's in it's in the record books for the world's longest pie fight, for instance. There's a five minute pie fight. I don't think you sold me with that particular sentence. Uh, <laughs> it's a five minute pie fight that isn't cream pies. They are actually but, being hit with heavy pies. It was like being hit in the face with wet cement. It took them five days to film this thing. <laughs> and they were had fun with the first few pies, but after five days they were all well and done with it. <laughs> Oh, you know what? Actually, I heard about this. I heard that that movie, that scene inspired uh, the five-minute or longer fight between Rowdy Roddy Piper and Keith David. Did it really? They lived. Don't. No. No, funny. it didn't. <laughs> no, it, no, it didn't. <laughs> Just FYI, Barry, Wacky Races was only one season. It was uh, 1968, went for 17 episodes, it was only 34 segments, but it reappeared throughout uh, much of the 70s and early 80s, uh, sometimes switching around those segments. When I saw Hanna-Barbera cartoons come on TV, I changed the channel. Wow. wow. Even Scooby-Doo? Wow. Especially Scooby-Doo. Zoinks, yo. Well, this is Barry we're talking about. Are we surprised? Didn't like him. Didn't like them at all. The the animation was too basic. The stories were blah. I didn't know. It wasn't for me. Barry doesn't like something that is beloved by others. Color me shocked. 
I look forward to hearing Big's uh, impression of this movie because apparently he has it and wants the person to watch it. Oh, yeah, Don't he keeps it. bringing it every time he visits. You so. will so hate it. I kind of want you to watch it now. <laughs> can we can we force Kirsten to watch us and and record his reaction like 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 Barry with uh whatever rewatching shit? So we'd have to do like a watch party. No, no, it'd be one of those one of those videos where the the camera's on you and you're watching the uh, be recorded. The camera's on you uh, while you're watching a two and a half hour movie. Well, right, just, an hour but, and forty five minutes of me sleeping. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I hate five-minute reaction videos. I couldn't stand for a two-and-a-half-hour one. Oh, Todd, it would be me. I could take about five minutes of that, sure. So we got to watch you watching something? That's yeah. What would you be doing? Would you be commenting the entire time? Oh, you should comment, yeah. So absolutely. For two hours. Yeah. Yeah, I'll do my Vernon impression. Oh, good God. Non-stop talking. The whole time. Every time Tony Curtis comes on, I'll like mention that he's Jamie Lee Curtis, his father. Jack Lemmon shows up. I'll mention he was in The Odd Couple with Walter Matthau. Ross Barton shows up in this, too. He was in The Wild Wild West That's with right. Mike, Robert Conrad. In my head canon, his character in this thing is is uh, is uh, Gardibus Gordon in disguise. Our younger yeah. audience is scratching their heads. They're so yeah. confused about these I, I, words you're saying. Andy, I stand by my earlier station statement. I am so glad you stopped mail to tell us this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all missed me, didn't you? <laughs> Let's get into the mail. Wait. Oh, no. What? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> the, the pillow has returned, Todd. The pillow has returned. <laughs> and I've been dropped. <laughs> Dear Deb does D&D damage show. What up, nerds? I couldn't stop thinking about that bit you did about what you all would taste like. As I am a fat guy and a queer as a $33 bill, I jotted down a list of what I think you would taste like if you were going in my mouth. I don't right. like where this is going already, but wow. proceed. Wow. Uh, Torgo, betrayal with a hint of snark. Very accurate. Yeah, pretty good. Uh, Deb, broken teeth and blood. <laughs> <laughs> also accurate. <laughs> Vlarg, impatient rage. Accurate. <laughs> person knows me. Jeff, cocaine and regrets. <laughs> now, I got uh, high blood pressure. I could never do cocaine. <laughs> that's that's where the regret me. comes from. <laughs> Matt, Tim Hortons and modeling paint. <laughs> That's incorrect because he hasn't painted shit yet. That's a fine point. Paul depends on what character he's doing. <laughs> uh, Biggs, cinnamon and booze. Fair enough. And K, onion and aged cheddar pierogies made by a halfling. <laughs> Man, what's this onions <laughs> business? Is this the end of the list? <laughs> Fucking Paul, who hasn't been in the show in years, is getting oh, flavor, dude. and I'm not in there? <laughs> God damn you! <laughs> God damn you! Uh, Andy, uh, I'll substitute for this person's, for, the, for, for what you, you're missing. Andy tastes like an unused comb. <laughs> an unused comb? Okay. A thoroughly unused. <laughs> like, like mint in box. 
<laughs> oh, so minty. Good. And he also writes, by the way, Torgo, if you really want to lead someone on a leash, I have my own leash, collar, wrist, ankles, restraints, and reasonable rates. Anywho, fuck your couch, asshole Gabe from Boston. Wow. <laughs> and I'd expect from Boston. Boston. <laughs> Thank you, Gabe, for writing in. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and fuck you, Gabe, for not mentioning me. I just oh. <laughs> <laughs> so <hurt>. uh, <laughs> Sorry, Andy, people fine. forget you're part it of the would show. Be fine if they had mentioned Paul. But guys, <laughs> that's the best part, yeah. <laughs> and, it, and Andy's on the fucking t shirt. <laughs> <laughs> How soon they forget. No, you don't give a shit about. Yeah! The Halloween costume and prop store Spirit Halloween is getting its own movie. Come come at Toys R Us near you. Uh, They've teamed up with Strikeback Studios, Hideout Pictures, and Particular Crowd to develop a feature-length family adventure horror film titled Spirit Halloween, and it's already completed shooting. The movie stars Christopher Lloyd and Rachel Lee Cook. In the film, quote, when a new spirit Halloween store appears in a deserted strip mall, three middle school friends who think they've outgrown trick-or-treating make a dare to spend the night locked inside the store Halloween night. But they (laughs) soon find out that the store is haunted by an angry evil spirit who has possessed the creepy animatronic characters. The kids embark on a thrilling and spooky adventure in order to survive the night and avoid becoming possessed themselves. So it's uh, it's night in the museum, but set in a spirit Halloween store. Is Chris Royd actually in it, or is this something yeah. where they tricked him through cameo? Like, like, like. <laughs> I swear I've seen a trailer for this recently. Well, they finished shooting, so perhaps. And if Christopher Lloyd really is in this, who found incriminating pictures of Christopher Lloyd? Because this sounds terrible. <laughs> Although Andy, you did hit on an excellent marketing idea. They right? should. They should find old abandoned theaters and open them up to show this. <laughs> or just show them in old Kmart's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> old drive-ins with like yes. with like a, a half the uh, half the screen peeled off and shit. Mm-hmm. Are the haunted animatronics going to be actual animatronics that they're selling in the store? Is this just a uh, a ninety-minute commercial for Spirit Halloween? Absolutely. This is this is our generation's Mac and me. <laughs> I saw Willie's Wonderland. Well, if you think yes. so. <laughs> I don't know. He must have found something fun about it because, I mean, the guy's 83. He's he's only doing projects here and there that he enjoys. So, I mean, there must have been something in the script that made him go, eh, why not? Because he's yeah. not hurting for money. He just does it for the enjoyment anymore. So you're telling me he probably chose it because of how awesome that script is? I'm not saying it was awesome, but there had to have been something that made him think, yeah, this could be fun. Here I'm thinking it was just an extra zero in the uh, the payout column. I mean, it could be, but yeah, he's definitely not probably. hurting for money. So Probably his whole career has wanted to work with Rachel Lee Cook. Ah, of course. And here's his shot. Spirit Halloween probably has some pretty deep pockets, now that I think of it. Probably. It's directed by Roxanne Dawson, right? (laughs) It's directed by the animatronics. 
The Kiss animatronics. Mm. Oh, even better. I'd watch that for two and a half hours. <laughs> Aha, see? See? There is something. Yeah. And then I'd watch oh, five God. minutes of first and reacting to it. <laughs> and then sleeping. Ninja don't give a shit about. Uh, here is a parable for our strange times. After suffering a hack topping $600 million in stolen cryptocurrency, the NFT game Axie Infinity is now dealing with a loss of play-to-earn workers, which has essentially left the digital equivalent of landlords with a shortage of renters. Uh, the situation was summed up in a recent tweet from Dan Olson, owner of the YouTube channel Folding Ideas, quote, the Axie Infinity developers mentions are full of digital landlords pissed that their scholars, quote unquote, are all quitting in the game and no showing their weekly quotas, unquote. Uh, while many players only view it as an economy to be gamed, Axie Infinity is nominally a creature collecting RPG where players can trade their axes as well as the smooth love potions or SLPs to breed them for cryptocurrencies. It's like for profit Pokemon breeder with a Farmville style backdrop. But they got to call them smooth love potions. They do. That's that's the news here. <laughs> uh, the it, game is Bill Cosby behind this shit. <laughs> <laughs> Christ. Uh, the game's scholarship uh, program was pitched as a way to loan out your axes to other players while collecting a portion of the resources borrowers generate, uh, but because it's leashed to the value of the Smooth Love Potion, its popularity has declined alongside the game's core currency. Uh, basically, some people bought a bunch of NFT creatures hoping to profit off of them while renting them out, but with more creatures than borrowers, they're starting to gather dust. Uh, one user complained that the scholars quit on them, quote, without proper notification, unquote, in a striking mirror to the real world gig economy. Uh, one reoccurring issue is inflation as the value of smooth love potions go down. <laughs> farming it. Say smooth love potions one more time. <clears throat> I dare you, motherfucker. Uh, oh, it's, it's, it's coming more. Uh, farming is... A, Farming it as a scholar becomes less appealing. Inflation is a problem that developer Sky Mavis acknowledged in February blog post outlining drastic changes to Axie Infinity's single-player adventure mode, which had become the go-to smooth love potion farm. <laughs> <laughs> explaining, <laughs> explaining its decision to cut smooth love potion rewards from adventure mode and other activities. Sky Mavis said at the time, quote, Axie's economy requires drastic and decisive action now, or we risk total and permanent economic collapse. <laughs> Quote. Good. <laughs> wow. Won't someone think of the smooth love potion? <laughs> Harry Robb's smooth love potion. Smooth love potion. Baby, I've been waiting a long time for this. It's been a long night. I've been waiting for your... Yeah. Oh, and I can oh. give you... Smooth love potion. Oh, is that like yeah, a yeah, call Medina? I want to see your love potion. It's collapsing. It's collapsing. Oh. I like Spanish fly or something. I don't. What I, I, is Spanish fly? Oh boy, uh, bullshit. Flavored water that you sell to teenage boys. Sounds right. Something that's supposed to make girls' vaginas itchy, so they need to be fucked. <laughs> 
Wow, Andy actually has a definition. <laughs> That's what it was sold That's as. So That's what it was sold as. Oh my god. <laughs> Andy, welcome back to the show. Y'all miss me, I can tell. Am I smooth love potions? I think everybody's assholes itching. But uh, this is this is what you get, right? When you develop a game that's not meant to be played for fun. No, exactly. I'm I'm all in favor of this imploding. The more spectacular, the better. And I will tell you right now, there are so I've had so many people at the various bars that I've worked trying to get me to join their little NFT game pyramid scheme. Oh, oh, I'm playing XX game and you collect these cards, but the cards are actually NFTs. And then you can, if you play a certain amount of times on the weekend, you get a free pack. And some of those packs could have NFTs that are worth like $3,000. Then you just go help and sell them immediately. And uh, I, either it's that or, or some horse racing game. And this isn't the first time I've seen a Pokemon based one. Amway it's, Pokemon lottery. Bullshit. It, it really oh, dude. is. Every every element of blockchain related economy crap it's it's all based on the that trying to sell you on something that somebody out there wants to buy the thing that you have for twice what you paid for it when there's not much of an audience out there that wants to actually buy it. <clears throat> so you're buying something and then you're thinking, "Oh, cool, I can turn right around and sell it and make a profit." And you'll tend to sit on it. I mean, the same thing with all these, the cryptocurrency shit. I mean, I had I had coworkers for a good portion of last year that were always trying to get me into cryptocurrency. It's like, oh, I just bought another 5,000 and blah, blah, blah. And uh, if it keeps going up the way it is, uh, I'll have tripled my investment in the next three months. Um, and then all of a sudden, oh, I took a bath on this. So I'm going to turn it into this and... And that's because that's on the trend up. And I'm like, it's all a bunch of smoke and mirrors, man. That's a bunch not of, actually going anywhere. A bunch of wealthy people bought into it. And now they need suckers into it to sell it to. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's terrible. News you don't give a shit about. The Still. long... In- I'm sorry? Still. <laughs> Welcome back, baby. Welcome back. <laughs> You your pillow was your chair. ticket you out. Save these all for me. <laughs> Keep going. Please don't give a shit about yeah. the long in development Beverly Hills Cop 4 is moving forward. As director Mark Malloy has been set to direct, Eddie Murphy is expected to reprise his role as Axel Foley with Netflix on board to distribute. Uh, Jerry Bruckheimer is back to produce. Uh, Will Beale penned the script. Uh, Malloy replaces directing duo Adil El Aribi and Belial Falah, who parted ways with the project to focus on the Warner Brothers pick Batgirl. Uh, no production date has been set. Uh, the franchise moved from Paramount to Netflix in the winter of 2019 and follows the adventures of Detroit cop Axel Foley, who first appeared in the 1984 smash hit that followed him to Beverly Hills to solve the murder of a friend. The film became one of the year's biggest hits and solidified Murphy's movie star status. It was followed by two sequels of lesser import. Uh, the project would mark its first feature film from Malloy for a major studio. The rising star has gained acclaim on the commercial circuit, specifically with Apple spots. 
So Beverly Hills Cop 4 coming to a Netflix near you, directed by a guy who's never directed a feature film before, but only Apple Spots, having to direct Eddie Murphy, who is notorious for taking over projects. Sounds perfect. <laughs> what the hell I mean, could this possibly be about? Mur- yeah. Eddie Murphy's in his 60s. Judge Reinhold's in his 60s. I think the other guy. John Ashton. I don't know who yeah, that is. John yeah. Ashton is a guy I'm supposed to be sending. Oh, <laughs> Ronnie Cox. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes, Ronnie Cox is still Sorry, Ronnie around. Ronnie Cox is in it. Oh, he's still around. Oh, okay. Well, there. You go. Well, no, his character's dead though. Mm. No, his, yeah. wasn't, his, wasn't his character? Killed, oh, I think like the I think he one? survived. I think he was horribly hurt, if I remember right. Horribly hurt. Oh, mm-hmm. he survived well, Beverly Hills Cop Two. He was he ended up becoming chief of police in Beverly Hills Cop Two at the very end. Right. But he didn't appear in three. Like Judge Ryan was it like was the end of G.I. Joe the movie where it's like, hey, guys, Duke's going to be okay. Hooray. No. <laughs> well, the, the, one of the Not movies exactly. was what happened to Ronnie Cox's character. He disappeared. <clears throat> and and uh, Eddie Murphy. in the third one. Yeah, I thought so. Right. I, it's possible. I don't remember a whole yeah. lot about three other than it took place in, a, uh, in an amusement park, which. What? You know, yeah, I, it was like. Split between um, one of like the Paramount's Great Americas and uh, and also uh, or one of the Paramount parks in Northern California and then right. also like Universal Studios, Wally funny. World or something like that. Something it, like that. There was there was a Disney esque uh, character and where the plot was someone shot Uncle. Walt or something like that, and it was a whole big thing. And then the, at the end, they named a, a character after him. They call him Axel Fox. It's really fucking dumb. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I watched part three uh, during the early days of the COVID lockdown. So I saw it for the first time about a year, year and a half ago. Okay. Uh, and I don't remember much of it, frankly. Uh, All the movies you haven't watched, and you watched that one? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously? I, I, I went through uh, the... I, I loved the first one, and I remember not caring much for the second one, but it's been a year since I saw it, so I thought I'd get another chance and yeah. finally watch part three. And apparently yeah. part three has the same syndrome as the third Die Hard, where it was another <laughs> script that was turned into um, a Beverly Hills Cop movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. <clears throat> the, the third Die Hard shit. one was much more successfully turned into, though. That worked. The Beverly Hills one... Cop 3 was 94. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. The first one was extraordinary, was just just a it was such a phenomenon. And it was it it totally transformed Eddie Murphy because it was like he went from SNL trading places, Eddie Murphy to action Action hero. Uh, It was it was extraordinary. It was just I still remember watching that movie the first time and just and uh, Bronson Pinchot. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, Basically made his career there. And he makes a big splash in part three and completely destroys his character. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What is what is fascinating is like if you look at the first two and then you look at three, I this I do remember clearly. Instead of you having Eddie Murphy just performing the character normal and then doing the quote unquote Eddie Murphy bits in small doses throughout the film to get himself out of trouble. In three, it feels like he's Eddie Murphy playing Eddie Murphy 
through the whole film. Yeah, it's, instead it's of just it, it's a non-natural performance. It's, yeah. Well, that was one of the things about the first movie was that when he wasn't being, as you said, Jeff, Eddie Murphy, it was like, OK, he's he's got some growth to do. He's got to learn some shit, but he actually is doing a little bit of acting here. So what the hell are they going to do with these 60 year old guys? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's just Barry I mean, brings it back around. <laughs> Beverly Hills retired cop. There you go. Yeah, beyond the fact that it's been far too long for most people to even go, oh, I want to see another Beverly yeah. Hills top sequel. I mean, I don't know who the target audience for it is. because Probably the same target audience that saw the sequel to Coming to America. Yeah, that yeah. was rough. And as you don't give a shit about James Wan, the director of The Conjuring, Insidious, and Aquaman is diving into the world of reality TV as a producer. Juan and his Atomic Monster banner are partnering with Ink Master Producers, Truly Original, and they are currently developing multiple projects in various stages of development in a number of different unscripted genres. No details on what these projects are about. Uh, Producer Ingrid Bissou, who worked with Juan on films such as Malignant and The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, and The Nun, will be working on developing and producing these newly new reality formats and series. I I was like, uh, okay, this could be good. I mean, this is these are two horror people that are really good at what they do. I was like, maybe they got something there. Uh, And then Bissou said this in a statement: "Quote." I love watching reality TV because when done right, it can be unfiltered and raw. It's fascinating to see love, triumph, heartbreak, and the entire human experience on display during the most intimate moments in a stranger's life. It makes one feel less alone when so many of the situations these people find themselves in are extremely relatable. That's what I want to see more of. James and I are so excited to work with the folks at Truly to turn some of our original concepts into series, unquote. Of all the news I don't give a shit about, this one's at the top of I don't give a shit about. Yeah, same. Reality TV. Boo. Yeah, Hard pass. I'm, I'm done. Next. Bam. Ah. Bam. This is James. This is James Wan. This is such yeah. a turn. Yeah. That this would be this would be like if uh, Wes Craven in the '80s said, "You know what? I'm just going to do documentaries." Uh, about rich people. Yeah, I don't care about that either. Um, yeah. Uh, this is going to be on my TV at some point, and I'm just going to skip it. Weekend Geek! Yay! Woo-hoo! Finally! I'm happy. The hit video game Ghost of Tsushima from Sucker Punch Productions and Sony Interactive Entertainment is getting a feature film adaptation with Chad Stahelski, who did all three John Wick movies, on board to direct the movie for Sony Pictures. Takashi Dosher, who wrote Only, will write the screenplay. The game, quote, centers around samurai warrior Jin Sakai, the last surviving member of his clan who must set aside the traditions that have shaped him as a warrior to wage an unconventional war on the for the freedom of Tsushima. Uh, so Ghosts of Tsushima is getting a movie by the John Wick guy, who I'd love to see in charge of a samurai picture. Um, right. Ghost of Tsushima was one of the best open world video games I played in the last couple of years. It was fun from start to finish, super compelling characters I cared about, and really, really fun gameplay. It did open world right. 
look look at it, Far Cry 6. You should play it sometime, Far Cry 6. Try Ghost of Tsushima sometime. Did anyone else play Ghost of Tsushima? No. Fix your lives. Negative. Fix your lives. Play is it. Is it on Xbox 360? Uh, it is not, no. No. Is it on Game Boy? Then no. Yes. Does anybody uh, still own an Xbox 360 that's functional? Yeah. I do. It's right out there in blue. It's cool. I own one, and it's the R2-T2 version, so I can't bear to get rid of it. No. I play Catan on mine. That's all I can do. It's, it's really become the, the Catan box for you, hasn't it, Kirsten? Kind of, sort of. That's my Dreamcast is my worm well, box. I was going to say, Microsoft's ended support for, like, everything else on the console, so yep. I'm surprised even that works. Well, um, I it, it's ended support for that. I can't. Oh. I, the last thousand games I've played aren't even in the uh, in the ether. All those victories are for nothing because they are not measured against anybody because they're not they don't count. The only victories that matter, Kirsten, are the friends we made along the way. Ah, fuck off. Shut up. Cleopatra <laughs> hates his ass. <clears throat> she hates everyone's ass. Charlize Theron is set to produce an adaptation of the DC graphic novel You Brought Me the Ocean for HBO Max. Written by Alex Sanchez with art by Julie Moreau, You Brought Me the Ocean follows Jake Hyde, a teenager living in New Mexico who doesn't swim but finds himself drawn to the water thanks to strange blue marks on his skin that glow whenever water is near. Those markings and an attraction to the local swim team captain will change Jake's life forever as he grows closer to the water he once tried to avoid and closer to realizing his destiny. The graphic novel was released in the summer of 2020. It was nominated for a GLAAD Media Award for Outstanding Comic the following year. Uh, no word yet on who will write or direct the show. In the mainstream DC continuity, Jackson Jake Hyde is eventually revealed to be the son of the supervillain Black Manta and joins Aquaman in battling evil as the new incarnation of the hero known as Aqualad. You Brought Me the Ocean does not yet have a projected release date. I was happier not knowing about the DC connection. It seemed like an interesting story. But if it's basically Aqualad, eh. Yeah, uh, I agree. The Aqualad thing is sort of dulls it a little for me. Also, eh. Aqualad, we need you to get, get your heads out of your asses. No, we just need to get rid of the whole kid sidekick thing. That's the... Uh... Yeah, I don't, I don't think the new Aqualad is more the kid sidekick thing. It's I no, think I'm it's sure a he is, but he's still called. Uh, sorry. <laughs> oh, I'm done. Go ahead. Oh, it's just uh, he's still called Aqualad. I mean, Jesus, why? Because they not cause the best they, name. Because they need the, to keep the name. Because they need to keep the 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 IP of the name. I get it. Uh, Whatever. But this is Charlize Theron's baby. Yeah, yeah. Charlize is pretty darn amazing. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. I've been uh, reading the book Blood and Chrome, I think it's called. It's about the making of Fury Road, Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, and yeah. It has been a hell of a read. It's interviews with the stunt people, the producer, the director, everybody involved with it. Everybody who was in this show is in this book in some way. It's, it's wow. one of those books on the making of something that's told through interview snippets. Like the complete story of Saturday Night Live and so on. So it's it's a book I recommend. It's been fascinating thus far. 
And it's amazing that no one died making that movie. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. And just Jesus, like uh, some of the, the little bits that have come out about how Tom Hardy was like, he's even come out and said he's regretted doing it, but he went so method with his character that he was coming on set when he would show up uh, sometimes just horribly late, but he was in character and was downright like abusive to Charlize Theron and some of the other female cast. And uh, it wasn't until well after production had ended, he kind of realized he's like, I took that way too far. Because like, I mean, you, you can see it in like some of the, the press interviews where they're like kind of sitting together, but it's there's a level of discomfort between uh, Charlize and Tom Hardy there in those interviews. And then they're like the whole time you're like, well, they're giving each other praise for their performances. I don't understand where all this tension is. And then these stories came out, and it's like, oh, it all makes sense. And she's more or less confirmed that, yeah, it was it was a horrifying experience making that movie, which is sad because it's such a great film. Yeah, that, it's yeah. The whole making of is amazing. What one funky little thing that no one knows about unless you read this is that, of course that was filmed in the deserts of Namibia in Africa. The closest place where everyone stayed was this little coastal town where it basically had like, like two restaurants and two bars and so on. But it was so dangerous because it was, uh, it was a very, very poor town that everybody who worked on that movie was a mark. Ah, like you couldn't go anywhere by yourself. And if you went by yourself, you were basically going to get rolled. Oh, wow. Uh, according to one of the people interviewed that everybody that she knows on that show had their place broken into at least four times. Good Jeez. Lord. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. Why the uh, hell would they make a movie in Namibia then? Uh, they needed a desert that was that flat. There's really no other deserts that have that much sand for that far out. That uh, makes sense. Good. Fairly mid-budget, too, right, as I recall? Yeah. and, and I'm, So they probably couldn't afford, like, good set security. I mean, the set, personal the, the security. Set, the set itself was fine, but, yeah, they didn't have... Uh, they eventually got some kind of security involved with it, but, uh, but even so, everyone had to go places in groups. Yeah, I meant, like, personal security, yeah. Crazy. Yikes. Uh, this week, we lost actor and comedian Gilbert Gottfried, uh, uh, died at the age of 67, best known for his roles in the films Beverly Hills Cop 2, huh? uh, uh, the Child, uh, Disney's animated Aladdin, of course, where he played Iago. He appeared in the countless TV series, lending his voice as well to comedic acting in Saturday Night Live, Night Court, uh, the animated Clerk series, Fairly Odd Parents, House of the Mouse, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Family Guy, but it, the list goes on. Uh, Gottfried was still a touring stand-up comedian. Um, had been doing that since he was 15 years old. When I was first introduced to Gilbert Gottfried on USA Up All Night. <laughs> That's uh, I don't. I wasn't introduced to him then. I think I know him back from Saturday Night Live. Uh, but that was where I got to know, I guess, Gilbert Gottfried. Yes. When Bob Saget died, I rewatched The Aristocrats. And I almost rewatch it again because of Gilbert, because that's really his movie. He is the punchline of that movie. He is the, the, the climax of that movie is Gilbert. 
he's got one of those unmistakable voices. I mean, you, you, you can't you can't hear his voice and go, I wonder who that is. I mean, it's you just know. I think and, that's selling it short, Jeff. Yeah, I mean, his it's and and some of his comedy. Oh my God, he's got some of the filthiest comedy. Uh, that combined with that distinct voice, yeah, he's he's a. I mean, how did he ever get into a Disney project based on his stand up? I'll never know. How'd I mean, I'm sure Bob Saget says the same thing about getting cast as a dad on a on a sitcom based on his comedy, but. How did he end up being a pitch man for a major insurance company? <laughs> that distinctively recognizable voice. I mean, everybody knows that Aflac thing without even question. And, it, you know, even people who are too young to basically know who Gilbert Gottfried is, they know that Aflac uh, goose, duck goose, I just remember that is. I remember very distinctly watching Gilbert Gottfried introduce Hell Comes to Frogtown, starring Rowdy Roddy Piper while in a limo. I, I never understood it, but I was young. I kind of want to get, I wonder if I can find old episodes of USA up all night. You probably, probably find clips. Yeah, they're probably on YouTube. <sighs> Not that you'd want to seek those out. No, but just the just the introduction bits. Yeah, where he's talking about him. God, I, 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 my voice wants to imitate him. It's, it's he's so imitatable. Was, You're, and I want to put a big thank you to all the shock monkeys out there who, for our 500th episode, got us a cameo of Gilbert Gottfried. Not only congratulating us on the milestone, but shouting news you don't give a shit about yep that was and pretty fact awesome andy yes andy yes <laughs> yes he he said our names he did it was wonderful <laughs> <laughs> on, on andy's headstone is it gonna have like a little button you push and it's gonna be gilbert Gottfried saying andy's name it's gonna be great back jack andy <laughs> uh yes there's quite a bit of usa up all night at gilbert Gottfried stuff on youtube Oh, okay, I'm going down that rabbit hole tonight. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Deb's not here. I got nothing to do. Why not? Yeah. Return to Monkey Island, a new sequel to the beloved game series that started with The Secret of Monkey Island, is on the way with most of the key creative leads responsible for the original game and its 1991 sequel, Monkey Island 2 LeChuck's Revenge. The old-school pair of point-and-click adventures introduced in the early 1990s fans to Guybrush Threepwood, the intrepid island-exploring wannabe pirate. In partnership with Lucasfilm Games and Devolver Digital, original Monkey Island co-creator Ron Gilbert announced the game will be coming sometime this year. Return to Monkey Island reunites the core team from the old LucasArts studio who made the first two games in the series, with the exception of co-creator Tim Schafer. That's the guy behind Psychonauts and Grim Fandango. Uh, this includes the original co-writer and designer Dave Grossman, as well as composers Michael Land, Michael McConnell, and Clint Bakjian. The old-school Monkey Island hooked players with its interactive blend of RPG dialogue choices and Caribbean set story that glamorized its heroes' high, he high seas hopes for pirate-worthy adventures. 
Though more Monkey Island sequels followed throughout the 90s, the first two games appeared to be the jumping off point for this one, with Devolver teasing Return of Monkey Island as, quote, the long-awaited follow-up to the legendary sequel of Monkey Island and Monkey Island 2 LeChuck's Revenge, unquote. So they're Halloweening this. I never got into Monkey Island. I don't know why. Yeah, same. I mean, I I played King's Quest, Space Quest, you know, all of those quest games. I played a lot of those. I just, for some reason, never got Monkey Island. I just missed it. It seems up my alley. In the early 90s, it was kind of the pinnacle of the point-and-click adventure experience. Uh, the The comedy was on point. Uh, the story was on point. The, the puzzles, back and forth, some of them were kind of unfair. Uh, but as far as story-wise and comedy-wise, they really nailed it. So it's it's great to see them back. Of course, without Tim Schafer, I, I wonder what chunk of that is missing because Tim Schafer's a lot of heart of the height of point-and-click adventures. Hell, he's been doing them ever since. So somebody who knows the story better than me, to explain why his name is Guybrush. Guybrush Threepwood? I, I can't explain that to you. Oh. Ah. Well, I thought that was like something new computer games guy. Uh, apparently it was... Uh... Uh, because oh, you, you know, had the answer all along. I, well, no, I, 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 but I'm I gonna tell it badly. I was hoping you guys could tell it well. <laughs> yes, Todd, if it's told well. Yeah, I'm gonna tell it half-assed. Andy, uh, because, when when you were raising your children and you told them bedtime stories at night, did they just go to bed? Did they just go to sleep confused? Yes, absolutely. Oh, confused that explains a lot. He would sit at the I, foot I, of the bed. And I go, wasn't improv. I, I, have I had kids this. heard of Little Red Riding Hood. <laughs> you haven't? Tell it to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's actually not a bad idea, though. I don't record that <laughs> a second. <laughs> Andy, the Dr. Spock of the 21st century. Wow. Item one Have your kids tell you the bedtime story. It's really not a bad idea. Heaven forbid when Andy becomes a grandfather here. Uh, I'm going to be a great crazy old grandfather. <laughs> yes, Emphasis are. on the crazy. Emphasis <laughs> on the old. <laughs> oh. No, I'm just saying, I, I, don't, I don't see him becoming a grandfather anytime soon. So visiting, visiting grandpods, he's going to be in the Captain Pike chair. <laughs> beep, beep. And Pennywise is coming to Escape It, a new escape room experience in Las Vegas, inspired by the It franchise. With two adventures and more than 30,000 square feet, It, uh, sorry, Escape It will feature more than 20 interactive rooms. Fans will search for clues that will help them fight off Pennywise. But what are we escaping? I'm not doing it. (laughs) Yes, you just did. I just, (laughs) gross. The, the, the interactive rooms are inspired by some of the iconic locations from the Andy Muschietti adaptation, including the Losers Clubhouse, the Haunted Niebold House, and, of course, the Sewers Below Dairy. Uh, Escape It. Sorry, what? What? <laughs> oh, oh, go ahead, Andy. What's your question? You, you, the way you said Below Dairy sounded something different. The sewers below dairy. Oh, dairy. dairy is that what that is? Okay. Escape It is being developed by Warner Brothers together with escape room experts Egan Escape Productions. 
The experience will count on state-of-the-art special effects, lighting, animatronics, and live actors to create the experience. I the know sp- a live actor who's done Pennywise in town. Really? Escape It will premiere <laughs> in Las Vegas. <laughs> it's you, Kirsten! Yeah. Escape It will premiere in Las Vegas this fall, five minutes Escape away from what? the strip. Besides, I still don't know what we're escaping. Besides <laughs> offering a unique escape room experience, Escape It's will feature an It-themed store offering exclusive merchandising, photo ops, and carnival-style midway games. See, it's important that they actually have the IP because there's some other escape rooms in town that I would like to try, but they're like touting themselves as like a Star Trek escape room. It doesn't look like Star Trek stuff, and I don't think they have the IP for that because that'd be super expensive. I used to do marketing for an escape room company, national one, and they actually legit got the uh, uh, IP for South Park, and they did South Park. Uh, escape rooms. It was all done up just like South Park, and it looked pretty good. And I'm told they're they're okay, but they weren't like animatronic and live actors and stuff like that. That's Kirsten, that's some money. Kirsten, you just dust off your uh, your resume. Come on. Well, Barry, there is an actual Star Trek escape room here in town. I know. Uh, is it is official? yeah, it is officially licensed. It's a Star Trek Discovery based uh, escape room, and it is officially licensed. Okay, we have to go and check that out then. Yeah, Um, Darren's been wanting to do that for a while, so yeah. That's uh, let's let's go do it. It's in Town Square under the uh, theater, right? Yeah, Uh, it's where the old um, it's it's under AMC theaters, but it used to be an actual theater. Yeah, uh, uh, like a black box theater. theater. Oh, oh, the the one right? Yeah, it's Escapology. Oh, Escapology is a good company. They got they got some production value behind their stuff so is it where the balboa balboa theater was is that gone now oh yeah. bob uh, well they moved Boa-Bob. it bob, they, they moved. moved they're still in town square but they've moved to a different building ah so the old baobab is now escapology okay yeah the thing well, that's crisp uh, me about this uh, it one is one uh it is being developed by warner brothers with the company and two they did a standalone haunted experience when it came out and it part two for that matter. So I'm guessing they're using reusing some of that, uh, especially the midway games. Cause they also had carnival midway games at those locations in Hollywood. So I'm guessing that this is a temporary thing. I think this is something that's been moving around the country. This it escape room. What's your escape room? Write to us. Comments at GeekShockPodcast.com. What? Too soon. We're done? We are. More. Andy has not yet begun to pillow. You bitches don't have to edit this shit. I got more interrupting to do. (laughs) (laughs) You've done enough, Andy. You've done your duty. And I want to thank all of our Kofi members, especially our Tier 4 members, King Vol, Deb T, David Farrar, and our Tier 5 members, Glumly, Mad Martrin, Aussie Matt, Jake Godbold, Jeff Harris, and Leon Mitz. And thank you, King Vald, once again for your one-off donation this week. And if you would like to support this strange free show, you can go to Kofi, that's K-O-F-I, slash Geekshock, and find out more about the tiers and benefits there. Jake, stay out of Facebook jail. 
<laughs> Until next week, I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Fleeting Fact Check Dandy. And Vlarg. And we'll talk to you next week in Geek. I Wait, since when, does, what, since when does Vlarg get the and credit? Red Card Deb isn't here. I want to know what a Geek Shock escape room would be like. How would oh, that oh, theming work? And, and how would it taste and smell? No, well, well no. I mean... <laughs> Is it like you have to escape from Andy's pillow? I mean, yep. what? There's, there's no definitely going to be a pillow room. I could like you know, pillow. you know those those big giant inflatable things that you had to walk through. Right. That's essentially Andy. Oh, okay. I like it. I like it. <laughs> and is there I like, like a I like wet... it not being inflated when you walk into like you walk in <laughs> then it inflates. <laughs> is there like one of those slippery floors on the other side so it's like. It's like Andy spilled his drink. You have to navigate oh, the slippery floor. That's true. Oh, I, we I, need a section of you. You have to hold stuff. You have to hold like two cups of water, <laughs> and uh, and you go through the 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 spinny tunnel thing, Jeff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes you dizzy. Yep. No, yeah, yeah. It's inflatable. It's just a, it's a one of those wacky wacky inflatable things with with my face <laughs> on it. You try and walk by that with your glasses. And it tilts left and right, and you got to hold all, as much water as you can as you get from one room to the other to pour all the water in it. Because if you don't have enough, because you spill too much, you don't get to unlock the room or something. Yeah. Oh, it's it's geek shock. It just tilts to the left, and then you have to <laughs> oh. you have to find something that Vlarg likes before you can proceed to the next area. Oh, that is a shit. difficult room. Wow, is this a you're not getting out of that one. Is this a timed experience? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No one escapes. All escape rooms are timed, dude. And you have and to always assume that uh, Torgo's going to betray you at some point. So no, no, no. the last room the is given. two doors. You choose whichever one I'm not pointing at. But that's too easy. There's and a- and we get a whole bunch of physical actors. Re- remember, uh, like 10, 15 years ago, when one of the fun things to do in dark dark houses was the 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 People run at you, and then they slide on on uh, knee pads, yes. right? So they have to dress up like Deb and do slide <laughs> tackles. Oh, my God. You know, and you have to dodge those. All right, put your resume in for this, Kirsten. <laughs> God, you're just, you're dying for that, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. I'm All not right. going back to that shit. Hi, this is Gilbert Gottfried, and this is for the cast of Geek Shock. And it's being booked by your loyal shock monkeys. This is to congratulate Master Torgo, 80s Jeff, Commander K, Fact Check Andy, and Maple Leaf Matt on 500 episodes of their podcast Geek Shock. News you don't give a shit about from your shock monkeys. <laughs>